Well, I'm certain that many of you uh, ladies can relate uh, to that story. Yes, Thanksgiving is this week. What a great time to celebrate what God has done for us. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. And today, we're going to be talking about another way to give thanks to God, and that is through giving. We're going to talk about the joy of giving. We've been in this series, Get the Joy, a study of the book of Philippians, for the last ten weeks. And I've really enjoyed studying and preparing for it and delivering it to you, and I hope that it's been an encouragement to you as well. In fact, I would encourage you, as you uh, go home uh, this week, uh, to spend some time in Philippians, to read through the book of Philippians, to review what we have studied together. I would encourage you to look for a particular passage or a particular verse that really made a difference in your life. The Holy Spirit really got a hold of you. And then uh, to study that verse. Maybe you want to go on the Internet and re-listen to that particular message. Maybe you want to look for commentaries on that particular passage. Want to meditate and memorize it and make it your own and celebrate the time that we've had to study uh, this wonderful book that God has entrusted uh, to us. Well, we want to talk about the joy of giving today. There's three reasons why we should be prone and love to give. Uh, They're found in the fourth chapter of Philippians. If you could take your Bibles and turn to that passage at this time. The joy of giving. We give to show love. Now let me again explain the context of this letter that Paul wrote to the people at Philippi. It's very important that you understand as we study this particular passage, especially. Paul had started the church at Philippi. He had led Lydia to the Lord. Uh, He had been thrown in jail, and he led the Philippian jailer to the Lord. And he established a strong church there. And after he left, they would send gifts to him in the first couple years to support him in his ministry. But over time, for some reason, they lost the opportunity to give to him. We're not sure if they lost track of him or what the case was. But eventually, Paul ended up imprisoned in Rome. He was under house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard, maybe in a Roman apartment somewhere. And they didn't provide anything for their prisoners back in that day. People had to help people in prison. They had to bring them food and clothing and things of that nature. So the church in Philippi learned of Paul's imprisonment. So they took a special offering for Paul and his needs. And not only that, but they sent a messenger, Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus was to to deliver this offering to Paul. And not only that, Epaphroditus was willing to to spend time with Paul being his servant as he was in prison and do any errands for him, care for any needs that he had. In the midst of this, though, Epaphroditus became very, very sick, even unto death. He didn't die, but the people of Philippi were very concerned about him. So Paul made the decision, Epaphroditus, you need to go back to your family at Philippi so that they might be comforted. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to write a letter. First of all, I want this letter to be a thank you note for this wonderful gift 
that they sent to me. Secondly, I want to explain why I'm sending you back to them after they sent you to me. And lastly, I just want to encourage them. I want to encourage them to be joyful. I want to encourage them to choose joy. Get the joy. He didn't say that, but that's kind of the theme of the book. We can choose joy in our everyday lives. So with that context, let's dive in here to Philippians 4.10. In verse 10 it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That sums up the whole book right there, right? I rejoice. I choose to rejoice. That's a verbal form, rejoice greatly in the Lord. Our joy comes from Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is living in us, when he's living through us, when we're abiding in him and walking in him and depending on him, that's when the joy kicks in, when he energizes us from day to day. So I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and at this point he's rejoicing over this offering, that at last you've renewed your concern for me because of the offering. Indeed, you have been concerned. I'm not saying you weren't thinking about me, but you had no opportunity to show it. And that word concern comes from the idea of emotion, the seed of emotion. They loved Paul, and that's why they gave to him. And that's really what drives any type of giving and the right motivation, is love, a love for God that manifests itself in a love for people. Think about how much you love the people in your life, especially your family. And your friends, think what you give to them, the financial resources, uh, the time, the energy, the emotional investment. You give to them because you love them so deeply. Well, in the same way, we need to show our love to God. And one of the ways we show our love to God is by giving to Him financially. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I just want to give a caveat here. This particular message uh, is for those people who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, repented of their sins, and are now walking with Him. That is is who it's for. Because I know maybe we have some people here who uh, don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Might have some first-time guests here. And I know many times people think at church, all they talk about is money. Well, it's not all we talk about, okay? Uh, we, don't, we haven't talked about it during this series until now, but it is important to talk about because God's very concerned about this area. So I just want to let you know uh, that this is for those of you who have a personal relationship with God. So, we need to give to God to show love to Him. And this is really kind of, again, the thrust of the theme of Philippians. Joy is not found in yourself It's found in selflessness, not selfishness, but selflessness, thinking of others. Again, the core verse here is Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Always be thinking about other people. One of the most significant ways that you can show love to another person is by giving to them, by sacrificing what you'd like for yourself but you want to give to them because you want to show love to them paul puts it wonderfully in his letter to the people at corinth he says each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver 
God doesn't want your gift if you're going to give it grudgingly, saying, oh, I guess I have to give this because the Bible says so, and uh, I'm forced to. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons people give. They give out of obligation. They give to impress other people. Sometimes they just give out of habit. They don't even think about their giving. We need to think about the gifts we give to the Lord, and we need to have a cheerful heart because we have a great love for God. If you struggle in the area of giving, I would encourage you to pray to God that He would give you a greater love for Him. Because the more love you have for God, the more you appreciate Him, the more you understand Him, the more you're going to want to give to Him. Well, we go on in our passage, Philippians 4, now we're at 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I started the church there and after I left, when I set out from Macedonia, one of the Macedonian churches, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? The Apostle Paul had started many churches. The Apostle Paul knew many people. He was one of the leaders of the early church. And he's saying here he was out on the field working so hard to build the kingdom of God and there was only one church that was sending him gifts. And that's the nature of how we give sometimes. Uh, we come to a church like this and say, well, everybody must be giving so I don't have to give. Well, no, that's not the case, right? We need to support this ministry if we're a part of this ministry. We need to give as God would lead us to give. Or you think about a missionary out there that you might come in contact with that you have a burden for and say, well, they must have enough resources. Well, probably not. Or you think of a neighbor who's going through a tough time. Maybe someone's sick in the family. And say, well, everybody else is bringing them meals. Everybody else is doing this. Don't have that type of attitude. Follow the Holy Spirit's prompting in your giving to others. Because there are so many people in need. Ask the Lord to lead you in how you give. He goes on to say, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Now, what's interesting about this? Why does he say this, Thessalonica? Well, Thessalonica was a wealthier city than the city of Philippi. So what he's saying is that you sent gifts to this wealthier city. It's kind of like if you were supporting a missionary and they were in South Vietnam laboring away there. And all of a sudden they felt called to minister in Hawaii. And you're thinking, I'm going to help them to live in Hawaii? I would like to live in Hawaii. Okay, I don't think so. Well, that's kind of what the idea is here with the people of Philippi. They're thinking, hey, Paul's going to Thessalonica. Hey, they can take care of their own needs. All right, they got lots of money. Well, what, he, what they realized, though, was that Paul was going there to start a church. Now, they might have had more money, but they didn't have the motivation to give to God because they had not discovered the joy of knowing Jesus. So they had to support Paul while he was there in order that he might lead the people to Christ in order that he might establish a church there, or otherwise he wouldn't have the resources to go there in the first place. So they weren't pride, uh, they weren't uh, jealous in any way 
Uh, they were willing to support Paul wherever he went. And eventually Thessalonica became a very uh, generous church as well because of the generosity of the people at the church at Philippi. Now Paul talks about the Macedonian churches specifically. Uh, well, Philippi is included in this. Second uh, Corinthians 8.1 And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that is given the Macedonian churches. And listen to this very closely. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That doesn't make sense, does it? First of all, they were being persecuted for their faith. Remember Paul and Silas? They were thrown into prison in Philippi for speaking of Jesus Christ. It says, how the most severe trial, your persecution, their overflowing joy, there we see it again, and their extreme poverty, not just say hey, these guys were poor, they were extremely poor, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, what you would typically expect from mature Christians, and even beyond their ability. They gave more than you would even imagine. Now, I would think that the gift that the church at Philippi gave wasn't a large sum of money because they were extremely poor. But Paul knew these people. He knew how poor they were. And he knew what would be a typical offering for them. And he knew what would be beyond a typical offering. So you don't look at the mount. You look at the sacrifice that's involved. And sacrifice was written all across this gift. These guys have outdone themselves, Paul is saying uh, to himself. They gave beyond their ability. How can you give beyond your ability? Well, through Jesus Christ, because He's the one who supernaturally motivates you and enables you to do things you can't do on your own. Jesus Christ living through us. Now, we look at this, and again, it's hard to reconcile Somebody being so poor, but being so generous at the same time. What you need to realize is that generosity has nothing to do with your income. Generosity is a, an attitude of the heart. And we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about the American dream and how it's so easy to struggle with materialism in our society. And I think one of the things that we all grapple with is, again we sometimes put our lifestyle as the number one priority in our lives. That's our problem. We think that we should have a certain lifestyle. Now, it's different for everybody in regards to their background and expectations, but they say, I should have this particular lifestyle. Even people who are very poor, they, they have an attitude. I should be at this particular lifestyle. And we would think, well, that's not that extravagant, but for them... Okay, I have a certain lifestyle. doesn't matter how much money you have. You have a certain expectation. It might not be a great expectation in relationship to what other people think, but it's an expectation. And so you put that as the number one priority in your life and you say, okay, all the money that comes in is going to go toward my lifestyle in regards to how I live. 
And when I reach that particular lifestyle, then I'll give money to God. I'll be satisfied. And then I'll give the extra money that comes in to the Lord. Well, the problem with that is that it is sinful. You're putting something else before God. Your lifestyle has become your God. Instead of God being your God, God should be number one in your life. And therefore, you give first to Him. All your resources that He's entrusted you with, that don't belong to you, the first part of the resources that you receive from your income should go to the Lord first. And they should be a sacrificial gift to Him. That shows that you are mature in the faith. Well, you see, I'm not sure if my lifestyle is what I'm worshiping or what I'm putting as first priority. Well, all you have to do is look at your checkbook, right? Look at your checkbook and see what you're spending your money on. See what you're giving to God and His ministries. And then see what you're using for yourself in regards to caring for your needs and your wants. It's very simple. And, and you got to realize is that people grow in this area. When a person becomes a Christ follower, uh, usually they're not thinking a lot about giving. And many times it takes quite a while before a person actually kicks in to uh, the giving mode and realizes, hey, I should be giving something to God. And as the years go by, they give more and more. Really, the maturity ladder of giving, the more mature you become, the more you give. The higher percentage of income you give to the Lord. The more that you know Jesus, the more you should give. And pray for that. If you're struggling in this area and you say, hey, I know I'm not where I should be, say to the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me a greater love for you. Give me a greater desire to give to you. Because that's what you're showing to the Lord. Whenever you give to His ministry, you're saying, Lord, I love you. You are number one in my life. Pray that God would change your heart. So we give to show love to God and others. The second thing, second reason that is we give is we give to worship we give to worship we read on in verse 18 paul writes i have received full payment and even more i am amply supplied now that i have received from epaphroditus the gifts you sent he's really excited about this gift he says three different things about it first of all he says i've received full payment this is exactly what i needed and even more. There's an abundance here. It's more than I needed. I am amply supplied. I'm, I'm well taken care of here. Wow, he, he really likes this gift. Now that I receive the gift. Now, how, how's that in our attitude? When you receive a bonus from work, maybe you receive it this year, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you receive a gift from a friend or a family member. Does it ever cross your mind? You know, they could have given me more. They've got more money. They could have thought more of me. They could have given more thought to this particular gift. Uh, they're kind of stingy. Is that the kind of attitude that we have sometimes when we get gifts from people? Well, sometimes those things cross our minds, right? But that shouldn't be. Because you see, the secret to Paul here is that he was totally content. That's what we talked about last week, right? He said, hey, if I got plenty or if I'm in need, I am content. So anything that comes my way is gravy. 
So any gift that anybody gives us, we should be extremely thankful for that God has blessed us through that person. And we should have this type of attitude, an attitude of gratitude, no doubt. Then he goes on to say, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So now he's using worship terminology here that we see in the Old Testament. It's an acceptable sacrifice when you give to the Lord, when you give to others who are ministering on behalf of the Lord. And it's pleasing to God. When you give to God, He takes great pleasure in that. I don't know about you, but I want to make God happy, right? <laughs> I think that's a cool thing, right? That you can give Him pleasure. And every time I give sacrificially to Him with the right motive, I am pleasing God. And that's certainly something that I want to do. We look at the Old Testament and how they made sacrifices in Exodus. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. A pleasing, there we see pleasing again, right? A pleasing aroma to the Lord. An offering made to the Lord by fire. That's how they did it back in that day. They made animal sacrifices and other types of sacrifices to the Lord. Well, how do we do it today? Well, let's go back to our verse. They're a fragrant offering, something that smells very, very uh, wonderful, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Well, the Bible says, and we see it throughout scriptures that you give to God first. You honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth. So when you get your paycheck, the first check you write out should be to God. Because when you do that, you're saying, God, you are the source of everything that I have. The reason that I'm receiving this compensation is because of you. And it belongs to you. And I want to manage it for you. All my resources belong to you. So I'm going to give to you first. You always put God first in your finances. And He's going to bless you for it. So you honor Him in your finances. So you give first, and then you determine how you're going to give. What percentage people typically think of when they give? What percentage of my income am I going to give? I believe that the Bible teaches that a great place to start is tithing. Giving 10% of your gross income to God. And we've talked a lot about that in years past. But God is going to bless you. And many of you know those blessings that come when you honor God in this way. And then it needs to be sacrificial, right? An acceptable sacrifice. If you're giving to the Lord and it's not costing you something, it's not a sacrificial gift. If you're giving to the Lord and maybe you make a lot of money, and you can just say, well, yeah, I can give that to the Lord, but you can still do all the things you want to do and you still have your lifestyle on top of the ladder, the number one priority. That's not pleasing to God. It's got to hurt a little bit to give. You've got to say to yourself, man, I could do so much with what I'm giving to the Lord, but it's not about me. It's about God and giving to Him. So you give first, you give a percentage that God leads you to, and then you give sacrificially that's the type of gift that we need to give to the lord and that's an act of worship every time we give to him every time we give to others we're worshiping the lord showing our love by managing his resources in the proper way the third thing a reason that is for giving is to give the trust jesus give the trust jesus philippians 4 17 not that i am looking for a gift 
but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. He says, I'm not asking for another gift. All I'm saying is that I'm really excited that you gave this because now it's going to be credited to your account. What does that mean, credited to your account? Well, it's talking about a heavenly investment, an eternal investment. You're sending your money ahead to be invested in the kingdom of God so that more people might come into relationship with Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him. And the great thing is, we don't need a reward for this, but God says he's going to reward us. We're not sure exactly what that looks like, but we know it's going to be good, right? So the more we invest in God's kingdom with the right motive, God doesn't need to reward us, but he will. It's credited to our account. The good works that we do here on earth, and good works don't save us, but what we're called to do after we become a Christ follower. Again, it's just another way of serving God and doing his work here on the earth. Now we get to one of the most well-known verses in Philippians. Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a rich verse. Hmm. Many people have claimed this verse, and rightly so. That God wants to provide for us. That God wants to take care of us. And God will meet all your needs. Not necessarily your wants, okay? All your needs that you have. God has promised to reach uh, meet, that is, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, according to his glorious riches. Not out of his riches, but according. According, says, in proportion to his riches. Right? He gives generously through Jesus Christ. Now, again, we have to study this verse in context. Remember, we studied the verse, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's not a blanket promise. You've got to study that in the context. And the context, as we said last week, was contentment. As you're pursuing contentment with God, you can do all things. You can be content through Jesus Christ. That's the main application of that verse. As you seek to rest in God and trust in Him, you can do all things. You can be content and plenty or in what? Now, what's the context of this passage? Well, the context of this passage is sacrificial giving. If you're giving sacrificially, God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. If you're not giving sacrificially, well, it doesn't apply to you to the degree that it can. Now, certainly God is going to want to meet your needs, but you have to take that first step in terms of devoting your life to God. And one of those issues is giving. There's a, there's a relationship here. And really, it gets back to what we were talking about. Remember, we were talking about worry, and we want to control everything. God wants us to let go of the purse strings. God wants us to trust in Him and not our finances. Now, typically, what people do is they say, well, I can't give anything to God because I've got to have all my resources right with me in case a crisis comes up or because I want to buy certain things, whatever. I want to control it. And if I give something away to God, I've lost something. I've lost control. I don't know what's going to happen, so I want to keep it to myself. Well, that's not trusting God. Here's the equation. You need to trust God with your finances. You need to trust God for your future. It's very difficult to do, but through Christ we can do this. You need to trust God for your future. So when you give sacrificially, when you give 
your gifts, your ties to the Lord. You're saying, I don't know how this is all going to work out. I should invest that money that I give to the church. No, no, no. That's trusting in yourself. You need to trust in God. And the more you trust in God, the more God is going to provide for you. Okay? Trust in God equals provision. If you're not trusting in God, He's not going to provide for you in the way that He could provide for you if you trusted Him. Look at Luke 6.38. Given it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The context of this particular verse is talking about the welfare system back in that day. The farmers were asked not to glean the outsides of their fields. And the poor would come, and they would have a container, and they would fill this container up uh, with the extra grain that might be standing there and what they would do is they would press it down because they only had one container they walked a long way and so they wanted to make sure they could get everything in that container that they could so they pressed it down they shook it together to fill every nook and cranny so that's the image of what we're reading here uh, what that first century reader would think of a good measure you got lots pressed down shaken together it's completely filled on top of that it's running over and pour it into your lap. It just keeps coming out. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the amount of trust that you put in God, the measure of trust that you put in God, that's how He's going to measure His blessings back to you. Now, I want to be very careful with this because this, these type of passages are so easily abused. Some people call it the health and wealth gospel. The idea that if you give to God, it's like, an investment for your life. He's going to give back to you. He's going to double your money. He's going to triple your money. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? We're talking about trust and provision. God does not guarantee wealth, all right? Paul was poor, and he was one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, right? He had to be provided for by all these different types of people. All God says, if you give to Him faithfully and sacrificially, that He's going to provide for your needs. And it can be all different types of needs. It can be financial needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs. He's going to bless you. The more you give, the more you trust. That's really the key issue here is trust. When you're giving, you're trusting that He is going to take care of you. The more you're going to be blessed. So again, we don't necessarily give to be blessed, but it's a great benefit, isn't it? No doubt. So when you trust in Him, you are again putting your faith in Him, which is God, what God wants more than anything. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You're putting your faith in Him and saying, God, I'm going to give to you. I put the future in your hands, and He is going to take care of you. Luke 12, 34 sums it all up. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also where is your heart today again one of the ways you can tell where your heart is is by looking at what you give to the lord that is one of the indicators that tells whether god is really important to you i encourage you to think about these things and pray about these things we think about the people in philippi and how they had a special opportunity to give a special offering that was beyond what they normally gave to take care of their own church and ministries. And 
I want to take some time this morning to tell you about a special opportunity that we have to give this year. It's our year-end giving offering uh, for 2010. We did this last year. Uh, we gave toward our missionaries to support them for 2010, and you gave so generously. You gave $25,000 to take care of our missionaries. Well, we have some new projects this year. How many got the letter in the mail? Okay, great. Uh, that explained uh, what we're talking about here, but I want to flesh this out a little more. Here we have uh, our projects. Uh, we have our Belize project, and then we have our Springbrook home makeover. Uh, the project goal uh, is $30,000. The Belize project uh, would get 15000 if we raise 30000 and the Springbrook Home Makeover Project, we had 15000 if we raised 30000 Or if we raised 20000 which would be awesome, uh, or excuse me, 40000 uh, then each would get 20000 because it's based uh, half and half. So that's what we're looking uh, for. Let's first of all look at the Belize Project. You remember that this past summer, uh, we took a trip to Belize, 40 individuals, teens and adults, and we had a great time. Uh, together. This is a picture of where Belize is, just south of Mexico, bordering on Guatemala. And even more specific, we were right there on the Caribbean. Uh, the mission base there is right on the Caribbean, uh, just like 100 feet or 200 feet until you get to uh, the Caribbean. And we sat there and enjoyed uh, the weather and enjoyed the water. Uh, Begales Point also is a village that uh, the missionaries uh, are ministering to. There's about 500 people uh, there. Here you see Gales Point. It's out on a peninsula. So you take a boat to get to it more quickly. And that's where we spent some of our time ministering to these people. This is uh, John and Mel Bjorn. They are missionaries that we as a church uh, support. This is their first year on the mission field. Isn't that exciting? Huh? And they had a great year. They added to their family, their daughter here, as well as a, a new baby that she had. Uh, in October, uh, and they're just wonderful people. They have such a heart uh, for the Lord. So when we got there, we got in a big boat uh, to head off to the Belize Mission. This is where we hung out. This was a lodge, and we had so many great conversations up there and uh, ate our dinners there, our meals there, and it was just a great place to, to be. Uh, the focus of the mission is to encourage people in small group missions, a small group uh, excuse me, not small group, but mission teams come down, and uh, short-term missions is what uh, they focus on. And so they have the people stay there for a week, typically, and they get a taste of what missions is all about. And then hopefully people will have a heart for missions and give to missions and be, maybe become missionaries. And then they also minister to Gales Point, as we talked about. Uh, we had several projects that we worked on. Uh, the first was uh, expanding John and Mel's home, and really... The home goes out to about this area here. It wasn't much bigger than this, so a very humble home. Uh, but uh, we finished that, and uh, I was just talking to Mel this past week, and she said it was great because uh, she's so close to the lodge uh, with two little kids. Another project we worked on was culverts, so the water would go under the road instead of over uh, the road. Another project was digging a trench uh, for fresh water that they would receive from the lagoon. Another project uh, was helping people uh, medically. We also spent time uh, with the people 
in the village. Uh, there was a team that spent time just getting to know other people, loving them, helping them out with different things, and so that was uh, very meaningful as well. Well, on uh, October 24th, Hurricane Richard hit uh, Belize. And it wasn't Richard Wooler, our pastor. <laughs> well, he is a hurricane, no doubt. Uh, he is such a tremendous support. Uh, maybe that's a good nickname for him. Yeah, he, he's like a hurricane. But Hurricane Richard hit, and it hit dead on on this mission. Category 1, 100 miles, 100-mile winds. And uh, it, it blew a lot of things down, a lot of trees down especially. So the first part of our Belize project is going to help with hurricane relief. So we raised 15000 about 5000 would go uh, toward this roughly. Now this is a picture we took uh, this summer. Now this is what happened uh, with the hurricane. Here you see uh, what was before uh, the hurricane. And this is the same shot after. Okay, so you see the trees down out. It's during the dry season, that's why it's not green, uh, but just a lot of trees down there. Here you see a lot of trees down again. This was the cabanas where the leaders stayed, and the trees came down and uh, did a lot of havoc. And uh, nobody was hurt, thankfully, but did a lot of havoc in that area. Uh, broken windows. Louvered windows here and a storm, and again, it's all blown out. Also, uh, with the plumbing, they have PVC. Uh, basically, that's exposed, so a lot of that was ripped up uh, by the hurricane. You see the PVC pipe here that went up to the water uh, tank. Uh, that was all taken down. Uh, they also have a hot water heater. <laughs> basically, it sits on the roof, and the water passes through uh, these areas and is warmed through these tubes, and uh, that, of course, was all destroyed by the hurricane as well. And then you have missing gutters. You see here's a missing gutter. Here's a gutter that's hanging, a lot of that with the strong winds that came. Also, this was the uh, boat uh, ramp, uh, and boat trailer, that is, and uh, that was completely destroyed. Uh, so it's very difficult to use a boat <laughs> without that, and uh, so that needs to be replaced as well. Also, the dock where we used to go over to Gales Point, that was all ripped up by the winds and uh, the storm surge and uh, then we have the generator room, and uh, this all used to be cinder block. Now that's down, and the roof is collapsing. The generator needs to be replaced. And then uh, you see with the storm surge and things like that, here's the sidewalk, okay? Well, the storm surge basically got under the sidewalk and lifted it and moved it over here, all right? So that's how powerful uh, the winds and the storms was. Another thing uh, that we'd like you to do is replace our roof. That's really in bad condition. So, again, around five grand uh, to do all that work. So we certainly want to help them in that way. Another part of our Belize Mission Project is the Christian Boys Home. Uh, here we see a picture of a typical younger people in Belize. Uh, I would assume that these guys are not Christ followers. Uh, and, and what happens is, is when a person uh, becomes a Christ follower in Belize, a young boy, let's say, early teens, uh, they're persecuted. Uh, they're uh, verbally intimidated. They're physically intimidated. Uh, they just make the life hard on the kid. Uh, they steal his bike, which they use to get around uh, that particular area. And it's a vision of John and Mel and uh, Basil and uh, his wife to start a Christian boys' home on the mission so they can take these kids out of the village, strengthen them, encourage them, disciple them, so they can go back to the village, wherever God leads them, and grow up to be strong Christian boys. So we'll be able to sponsor a couple of these boys in this new initiative 
that they have uh, through uh, this offering. There are some of the little guys uh, that have a heart for the Lord. Another part of this particular project is the van. Uh, we traveled around a van that really needed to be replaced, and that probably be around another five uh, grand. So you see 15 grand there, Hurricane Relief, Christian Boys Home, Vans for Ministry, or a van for ministry. And they have many other needs, obviously, as you can imagine. So if we raise more, uh, they certainly could use those resources to expand their kingdom effort uh, down there. Now let's look at the Springbrook's home makeover. We want to make over, one might say, our atrium and our children's area. Now, part of the inspiration for this came from the work that was done just in this hallway over here. What we had is that uh, the decor team repainted it, and they put pictures on the wall, and they added some artificial plants, and it really made a difference. And so that kind of came into the thinking, and I've been thinking about this for a while, and we decided, hey, let's do a makeover on our building. This is our atrium, and uh, it's a huge area. Uh, It's a beautiful area in the sense that it has a lot of room and a lot of people where they can connect and get to know one another, Uh, but it is kind of plain. We we just kind of want to warm the place up and make it feel... Uh, more like home. For people who come, we want to have a welcoming environment where they can feel like, hey, this is a neat place uh, to be. So we've taken some pictures at different churches in this area and what they're doing. So let's take a look at those pictures. First of all, we'd like to add uh, some sofas, uh, places for people uh, to relax. Uh, So those are just simple things that we can do uh, to spruce it up. Also, maybe add some cafe tables. These are just ideas. We haven't made any decisions or anything that will eventually form a team. But these are some of the things we're thinking about. Uh, Again, cafe tables. And then uh, we have a welcome desk. One of the challenges we have is that people come in our doors and they have to walk all the way down to the welcome desk. And some of them never get there. (laughs) So what we want to do is we want to establish a welcome desk, a significant welcome desk up front in order to welcome our people. These are just some other ways uh, that we could possibly dress up the atrium. Now, you can do a lot of things with the walls, too. And so here's an illustration of what's done with one of our churches in the area in regards to uh, different things we can do with the walls. Uh, The second area is our children's area. Now, this is uh, some pictures of our children's area. This is, uh, again, a view down the children's area, one hallway. This is the other hallway. And that's great for a corporate environment. (laughs) But for kids, you know, you want something a little more fun, don't you? No doubt. This is what one church does in our area. Now, that, wow, that, that's quite a change, isn't it? Uh, you got the lighting, you got the frame pictures, you got a little bit of a universal thing going on there. Uh, here's another illustration of how you can, you know, take the carpet out and do different things uh, with the flooring. Also, paint goes a long way. Paint is cheap, but you can do some marvelous things uh, with paint to really dress things up and make it a lot more uh, exciting. This is a Living Waters, which is just up on Miller. It's a smaller church. But look what they've done with their children's area. They put a lot of fascia on the walls and built things out and have a welcome desk uh, there, uh, lighting, those type of things. Uh, that's kind of the thing that we're looking at. This is more fascia, you know, uh, house front and then a, a movie front in that way. And you got a ship coming out of the wall. <laughs> so there's a lot of things we can do in this. way. I, I tell you, I'm so excited about this offering because I know that we're going to help people in Belize. We're going to help this mission out so they can continue to do uh, their ministry and they get back up on their feet after this hurricane and get a van and start this Christian boys home. 
as well as we're going to invest in our own mission here in this area. We're going to warm this place up. It's going to be more inviting to new people uh, that come, as well as the people that are here, our family. And uh, I'm just excited about what God is going to do through this. And our goal is 30 grand, but my dream goal is 50 grand. Because, again, when you think about it, if we're given just like 15 grand to uh, remodel everything, well, how much does it cost to remodel a bathroom? Maybe maybe seven grand? And think about how small, (laughs) small a place that is. All right? Well, it'd be great to have a lot more resources for both these ministries in order uh, to make a difference for God. So, again, we need to give to show love to God and to other people, the people in Belize and the people in our community. We need to give to worship. When you give to this offering, you're going to be worshiping Him, and you give to trust Jesus, to depend upon Him instead of yourself. And So I would encourage you to think carefully through what your gift uh, might be uh, this year. We would encourage you to give your largest gift in the next uh, two weeks. Well, this is fresh in your mind. And uh, again, pray about what God would have you to give. Give today if you're ready. And then give your significant gift first. And then give as the Lord leads you as we move through this. We're gonna, this particular offering is going to go through January 31st. And uh, you just put year-end offering down on the envelope that is in uh, your program. And uh, make note of that. And it will go to the right fund. Let's pray together. Lord, Thank you uh, for what you're doing in our ministry. Thank you for the new people that you're bringing to us, Lord. Uh, We're excited about the future. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless this offering. I pray that we would give to show love to you, we would give to worship you, and that we would give uh, to trust in you. In Christ's name, amen. Here we go.